Yeah, this topic is is my favorite, especially in the market that we're in right now, guys. It's it's nuts. And every one of your markets, talking to a lot of you from all over the country, and it's fun. It's never been like this before. And this is the best it's ever been. And in a scary aspect, it's the best it might ever be. So I want to make sure that we are totally taking advantage of this market right now and just, just crushing it. So we're just going to stack the deck, stack the odds in our favor and, um, and make this work. So I'm going to grab, um, I've got Otis. Otis is news in their company. I'll get him up here too. So cool. Hey, can you get All right. Me? Yep. We got you there. All right. So let's start chatting. And is there such thing as the perfect contract? And I think yes. And and I literally we do this with our with our agents all the time, and they do this with their clients all the time. And I'll just take the example. I'll take you for example. Hector, you want to buy a house? You love this house over on Oak Street. We've looked at twenty-seven other ones. This is the one you want. There's only one way I can guarantee you're going to get this house, and that's to write the perfect contract that the sellers will actually say yes to. That we know they're going to say yes to. And these are the actual components to it. You guys might want to write this down because it's a lot of fun and it's a little bit facetious, sarcastic, but it really drives the point home. The only way, Hector, I know I can get you to get this property is we're going to have to come in. If they're asking 400 grand, we're going to come in over 400 grand. So let's go at 405. Why psychologically it makes a big difference is a change of mortgage payment. Not really, not enough to bitch about. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to put 100% of the money in escrow. So I need 405,000 bucks. We're going to put in the title company in escrow right now. It's going to be as is, no contingencies. You're going to take it exactly the way it sits and smells right now. Absolutely zero contingencies, not financing contingencies, not inspections, not appraisal, nothing at all. And we're going to close it tonight. So there you go. That's your perfect contract. I could pretty much guarantee you that we'll get to do the house um, unless they don't want to close tonight. Now, Hector, every time you try to get me to back off any one of these bullet points, your contract gets weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. So if it's worth 400 and you want me to go in at 385, weak. You wanna put 500 bucks in escrow, super weak. You want it contingent on an inspection period for the next 15 days so you can scratch your butt and change your mind maybe 14 days from now and tie up the seller's emotions for the next 14 days, weak. It's contingent upon the sale of your house. It's contingent upon you getting financing. You don't even have financing yet, weak. And you wanna close in March, weak. Right, so it starts the dialogue and it sets the stage for us to be the advisors, for us to be the taking control of the transaction, for us to say, look, you hired me for a reason in a nice way, sit down, shut up, let me do my job. And let's just take the power and say, this is how we're gonna structure the deal. So that should be an interesting talking point here for a moment. Is... I love it, I love it. It establishes authority. And um, you know, obviously there are some people that you know, if they hired you and they don't listen to you, those, you know, those are the type of clients that you tend to, tend to let go over time, right? Less tolerance for that based on your experience. Yeah. And it's, and guys, it's absolutely true, especially in this type of a market there. So Otis is, um, Otis is new, new to Clubhouse as of today, right? I think this is your first, you got your party hat kicking in. And yeah, you're back on there. Yep. So if I'm the slow kid in the room, forgive me because I'm still discovering what we do here. So. <laughs> Good deal. Yeah. Otis, but, uh, Otis is, yeah. Um, help, helps us manage one of our um, offices in Tampa. He used to be managing broker Berkshire and now is with us. And 
our office and new to Clubhouse is going to listen in and contribute in along the way. Yeah, thank you. And Jeffy, talking points are all are all right on point. Um, one of the things is prepping the battlefield and getting all the, the facts ahead of time so that way you can really cater that contract to fit the needs of both both parties but be strong with it. That's right. Now, those of you in the, in the audience, I, you know how much we love participation on this thing. So raise your hand or flash your mic, and I'd love to get your, your comments on the opening part here. And are you saying something similar to this? Do you think you could say something to this one? Do you think there's no way you would say something to this one? What are you guys thinking? I'm, I'm curious to hear what Johnny has to say about that. I set expectations. Um, I always let my clients know, hey, do you want a house or do you want a deal? And um, it's, it's all about setting, like um, Otis said, it's like you prepare the battlefield. Um, you let them know that, hey, if you want this house, this is what it's going to take. you got to confidently say it. Um, and it's like, it works. You really do get results. Now, as far as contingencies and stuff like that, um, everybody wants inspections and stuff like that, but you have to kind of lay it out a way that they can get it. And like you said, it's like, who wants 15 days, 14 days to do an inspection? Nobody. And it doesn't take that long. So it's like, I already prepare my clients. If they want an inspection, we're doing it as is with the option to terminate. That means that we're going in to get an inspection for your personal knowledge. And if you don't like the house, then we go from there. But we're not going to take a nitpick. The market's not going to allow it. I agree. And it's also setting the expectations, Johnny, about about knowing your your vendors too. Does it really take ten days to get a home inspection, guys? No. You know that you could call your home inspector buddy and say, "Hey, can you get this done for me by by Tuesday?" So if you can do that, crank down your inspection period for five days because you know most more times than not you're going to be in a multiple offer situation. And if the seller is still staring at two offers or three offers and all of them are identical, but one inspection period is 15 days, one's 10 and one's five or six, the five or six wins. So just stack the odds in your favor and just kind of crank that down. So these are the little things that really make the difference on this one too. And then from a from an ins inspection period, how about the loan approval period? And I know, and I'm talk I'll talk Florida specific for a second because we do most of our transactions. Florida specific is, you know, you've, we've got a loan approval period. And from the time you sign the contract, you have 30 days by default to get your financing. And God, I think that's terrible, terrible. Cause if you were, a, if I'm a seller, you're going to be an offer. Expect me to take my, my asset off the market, get your audio cut find a new house. A there we go. My back. There we go. Just yeah, you're back. Okay. Yeah, I had a phone call come in. I had to get rid of that problem we all face these days here. So it, the, the problem is, do you really need that much time to to get it? You really you really don't. From a financing contingency, you want me to take my house off the market for 30 days and for you to figure out if you can get your financing? That's not true. So let me tell you what I, what I do personally on every one of my transactions when I sell a piece of property is and it pisses off the other agents guys but it doesn't matter because it makes me feel good from a, a seller perspective and it's kind of from a representation standpoint what i think is good i'm curious to see your guys feedback on this one said okay you're going to have the i'll give you the 10-day inspection period and then but at the end of those 10 days you're going to tell me a lot more than that because i'm going to reduce your loan approval period down to 10 days also and they are going they all go no way i can do that i'm not going to get an appraisal said i don't need the appraisal 
I don't need anything specifically, but I need you yourself to remove your financing contingency. You have to tell me that you're comfortable that you can get financing and that you can get a loan and that you're financeable in these next 10 days. And on day 11, I'm going to ask you for a big chunk of deposit because now your inspections are over and you've got to show me that you're serious. So I'm going to ask you for at least another 10 or 15,000 bucks. It's going to go non-refundable and then we can go. Now, I'm not telling you that we're, if it doesn't appraise, it's a different problem, right? But I'm telling you, you can't walk away from this transaction because you can't get financing. So in the next 10 days, you better call your lender, make sure that they have your pay stubs, the tax returns. You've done everything. You've dotted your I's, you crossed your teeth. You've given them everything on that checklist and put some pressure on him. He's got to run you through preliminary underwriting to find out if he thinks he's going to be able to give you that loan. And if he can, great, we're going to move forward. And if he can't, I'd rather know now than 29 days from now when you try to back out of the contract, especially in a market like this. Now, you will get wiggle. You will get kickback. You will get fussing back from the buyer side. But I think the reality of it is, guys, it's the right thing to do. So curious the feedback from even those watching there in the background. Too strong? So, yeah. I, no, no, no. I, You know, um, going back to what you were saying there, you know, if you know that they're sure and they want to compete, that's going to be like a crossroad conversation. And you put it right there where if you're confident in your financing, then let's go in strong and let's compete and beat the competition with it. But you're also temperature checking your own buyer on that because if you don't have a real buyer and it's a guy that's kicking tires, you know where to prioritize them. If we're, the world is full of buyers right now. And so which ones are real and which ones are not? And so I like what you did there because that is a crossroad conversation with them. They have to make a tough decision on what they're ready to do. I like being able to approach your buyer from the beginning and saying, hey, let me prepare you for what might happen to us. And if we go up and try to buy Johnny's listing, he's a badass Jedi master negotiator listing agent. The first thing he's going to say is, give me your pre-approval. Let me talk to your lender. And I'm going to shorten your approval period back down to 10 days. And if they do that, guys, we need to have our, our, our stuff together. So let me talk to your lender. Let's make sure that we get his checklist. Let's make sure you've given him everything that you need to. So when I'm asked the question, can you afford this house? The answer is unequivocally, yes. And here's why. And we're willing another call come in. And we're we're willing to reduce our inspection period for loans down substantially because of that. What do you think? It's a good angle. Jamie, I'm gonna... Jamie's raising his hand, wants to pop on in. What's up there, Jamie? Jamie's hey there. Um, in that scenario, Jeff, are you leaving in or encouraging them, encouraging them to add an appraisal contingency? Yes, okay. yes, and, and I'm totally fine with that. And because the appraisal contingency is a whole separate issue. I'm not asking if the house is going to be approved. I'm just asking that you yourself as a as a buyer are going to be a, a, approved. Should I worry about your credit worthiness is all I want to know. And I want you to take that question mark away. Because really, guys, everything we do is selling. It's emotional, right? It's selling emotions. And our job as agents is to eliminate the doubt and take away the question marks. So every single time you present an offer to a seller, the first thing they're they're worrying about is saying, are these guys for real? Do they have the money? Should I start packing? Should I really look for another house? And do I feel comfortable? And the answer is they don't really know. The honest answer is they don't really know. 
And really ugly part is we don't really know most of the time. I mean, how many times do you get walked down the aisle and the buyer, the lender comes back and says, I I can't fund it. I didn't know that they had this situation in their past. And you're pissed because they should have done that during the application period. We just had one with one of my agents that just came back that it was the day before closing, the day before closing. And the lender said, I can't do this loan. And they verbally told everybody along the way that all is well. Everything is great. Don't worry about it. We got this. And then at the very end, oops, sorry, I didn't notice this. We can't do it. And now the inspection period, the loan approval period is over. Their escrow was at risk. They lost their escrow money, all because the lender just kind of made stuff up along the way and told everybody what they wanted to hear and didn't do their job. So I want to make sure that we just pounce on that in the beginning. And guys, even great loan officers make mistakes too, right? So if this just becomes part of how you run your business, you say, look, here's how we're doing this, buyer. You're going to say this. I'm going to talk to your lender. These are the questions we're going to ask them to make sure that you are bulletproof. And I can, in essence, our contracts, maybe yours is similar depending on which state you're in. We have two options under financing. Box A, we have A or B. A is buyer will pay cash. Or if buyer gets a mortgage, there's no financing contingency. So don't even worry about it. It's just as if they're paying cash. And then B is it's contingent upon their financing going through. If the stars align and the moon sets the right day and all that other stuff comes in and normally they have a time period for all that stuff to align and that's super weak especially in this market guys i don't i don't think it's responsible if we're working with a buyer to allow an offer to be presented on our client's behalf that it doesn't have all of these i's dotted and t's crossed so you can't you can do it right and i think i told some of you guys a story yesterday my son's teacher she's trying to buy a house and i was really jumping on her and saying stop looking at houses you're not ready to look at houses yet you don't have any clue what you can afford yet i know you got an 800 credit score i also know you don't have a ton of cash you're a teacher right so stop teasing yourself and stop looking at hoas and condo docs and all that stuff too let's figure out what who are you going to get your loan through and how much are you approved for and what's your payment going to be and until we get those answers don't look at a thing and then we'll go look then you can go look at a piece of property and then when we find the piece of property i'm going to make sure you get it because I'm going to write the perfect contract and I'm going to have enough confidence behind my tonality and my voice and how I'm going to present the offer and present you as a person. So that seller is going to just actually be excited to sell you their house. But you, I can't do that unless you let me do my job. Right. And that's kind of the fundamental pillar here. It's just eliminating all the doubt and doing it up front. And that's, I don't know how strong, how much stronger we can be, but especially guys in this type of a market, you owe it to your buyer to be this strong. And if you're on the listing side, you owe it to your seller to be this strong. Because if the if the buyer in question is not solid, like 100% solid, why would you waste your time? Because there's four other buyers right behind him. So why take that asset off the market right now? Why take your asset off the market if you could double side it to the next guy who comes? Like why would you ever let a property go off the market until you just scour and interrogate the crap out of the out of the buyer side and the buyer's agent that's coming in and just make sure that you have the perfect contract as perfect as it can be being presented either by you or to you along that thoughts on this comments on this questions on it now you're prepping the battlefield there and you're setting expectations um and i think part of writing the perfect contract is setting the right expectations with your buyer on what's going on with the marketplace and how they're going to have to compete because otherwise you're going to line yourself up and and them up for a couple of losses um, not only in opportunity but time 
And, uh, you know, if they like a house and they really want the house, one of the things I always ask them, I say, well, do you really want it? Because if you really want it, we go in to win. And if we're going in to win, that means we're going to protect ourselves with that appraisal contingency. But we're also going to come in and we're going to sweeten the terms of this thing so it's hard to, to turn away. And so if you, you're never going to overpay if you get financing because the appraisal will always protect you. And the bank's not going to allow you to overpay because that's what they're lending their money on the collateral. And so you always have that little bit of a protection. So um, if you're going in to compete, then go in strong. If you're just trying to get it, if it's a good deal, that's a different story. And so now we can set ex <laughs> a little bit different expectations. But then I know as an agent, my expectations are also they're not that serious about this house. And so it's going to be tough to win it when they're not that serious. Um, so it, it allows me to know, to really understand how much time I need to spend with them at that point. Great point. Jeremy, you raised your hand. Welcome up. Hi. Um, good afternoon, everybody. Um, so I have a question in terms of making sure that our, our clients are, you know, actual actual buyers. I mean, there's only so much, you know, that we can do when we pass our clients off to the lenders, you know, um, so with me, I always prep my clients even before like the pre-approval process. I say, hey, you know, we need W-2s. We need bank statements. Um, we pretty much need all your financial documents in order. But I, I want to say like the last two transactions, it's falling apart like during underwriting. And like I just yep. don't understand like what, what can we do as agents to um, ensure that our clients are actually able to buy because so we don't end up, you know, two days before closing. And I say, oh, okay, well, no, they're not, they're not good anymore. Now they don't, they don't qualify. But it's like, if we're requiring our, our clients to send in all these documents, like, what can we do to, I guess, you know, just, just make sure that, that it goes through. If we're relying on the lenders and the underwriters to, to make sure that they're checking all this shit. Cause to be honest, like I, and I've only been an agent for like a year, um, well, a little bit over a year, but I don't understand how clients could, can submit documents um, within two days of the application process, but you know, shit, 20 days into it, then they're just like, oh, well, they don't qualify anymore. Well, I don't understand, like, does it take that long in the underwriting process to see whether they can actually afford to buy or not? It, it does. Yeah, mind if I jump in on this one? Yeah, go ahead. So I have a mortgage experience. And so one of the things that I'll say is you're only as good as your team. And so if you got a mortgage guy that you really haven't battle tested or you're not sure about, then those things are going to happen because they're going to, a lot of times what I find with mortgage people, if they're, if they're kind of new to the game or they're not that good, they'll over promise and under deliver. They're just trying to get the deal. And then if it falls apart, Oh, well, it falls apart and they move on. And then they ghost you and during the process. All of a sudden they stop talking to you. They don't take your calls and you don't have any answers for your client. It makes you look bad. And so I say, ask around and really vet who you work with and get really good lenders that you know will get the job done or they'll shoot you straight up front. If there's going to be hair on this deal, hair being the little one-off things that can that can blow the deal for you, then let's talk about it up front so we know we're not not everyone's wasting their time. Good mortgage officers, loan originators, they don't want to waste their time either. The ones that are trying to just get the deal, get the next deal and load their pipeline and throw them what they can against the wall, those are the ones where the deal falls apart at the last minute. And so my, my advice to you is really vet who you work with, and that will cure a lot of that issue by itself. Definitely. And I was going to say also, Jeremy, that's the big difference between a pre-qualification and a pre-approval. 
pre-qualification, all they're doing is going based off of what the client told them. Whereas with the pre-approval, they are checking the facts. They're they're verifying everything. So I know it's tough too, especially in this market. I know a lot of times with me personally, it's like I can do everything the same day. I get them pre-qualified, write the offer all right then and there. But at the same time, um, you just have to kind of stay on top of it. And also you have to keep in mind too that a lot of times, um, and I hate that expression where they say buyers are liars, but a lot of times um, they're, they don't know. So sometimes um, I know me personally, I've had deals where they fall apart um, when underwriting, just like what you're saying. And it's all um, based off of the information that's presented to the lenders. But there is a big difference um, between the pre-qualification and the pre-approval. Right on, Ryan. But also, also, let's talk about this for a second. Is it not the expectation that you set from their beginning that really sets this tone for your entire transaction? And really what I'm talking about that is really getting strong, stronger. And guys, we are handling the largest financial transaction in most people's lives. And we need to act like it a lot more than, than we do sometimes and, and really say, guys, this is how it is. And then when it's time to get to the lender, then it's time to say, look, lender, here's what I'm gonna, I need from you. We're extremely competitive right now. And this is what I need. I need you to help me. I need you to get on them. I need you to make sure, give me the list. Let me know what they didn't get you. Because I don't want to see you get involved in what their finances are. That's not our place. That's not our position. We don't care. Honestly, do you care? No. All you need to know is that you've got a lender who's done the scope test and knows everything about them and is willing to put their word on the line that they have written them, underwritten them, gotten it through, and they, they have great credit, their, their scores are good, they've seen their pay stubs, they've got their tax returns, they pay their application fee, everything is golden, and they feel really 100% solid. And you've gotta have the relationship with that lender to say, you gotta tell me everything. If there's anything missing, we're on the same team here, let me help you get it. All right, Amy, thanks for raising your hand. You wanna comment on this one and jump on in with us? I do. Thank you so much. Um, so I actually have prior mortgage experience. I've cumulatively been in the industry for 20 years, um, but I worked for a mortgage lender um, in loan processing. So this is kind of like my strong suit. So I have some like tips and tricks of some things that you can do to help get those buyers get the information over to the lenders in a timely fashion. So love it, love it. at the beginning stages, I always preemptively tell you know, whoever the prospective buyer is, just like um, I believe it was Jeremy had said, get your W-2s ready, get your pay stubs, get your bank statements. And then at the time that they work with your lender to do the pre-approval, they should be uploading those documents right to the lender's like portal. Everybody has the ability to use electronic docs these days. Um, and most of your bigger lenders will let them upload it right directly. So that way, Whoever the loan officer is giving that pre-approval or pre-qualification will see potential problems um, right from the get-go, especially if they're, they have overtime, they have bonus income, you know, something like that that's going to require a little few extra steps at the beginning. So I try to preemptively tell them that as they're going through the process. Um, the other thing um, I think a few other people just spoke about uh, is having a super strong relationship with your lender. Um, you can have multiple lenders that you work with on a daily basis, but you kind of have to set the expectation right from the get-go. Like you need to tell them if Mr. Smith is not getting you what you ask for within 24 hours, 
you need to let me know. And then I can jump on the phone with them and explain how urgent it is for them to get it. Um, and then the flip side is, is that they have to understand that if they don't get these things to the lender in a timely fashion, timely meaning same day, next business day, then they could potentially delay their settlement. And I kind of feel like once you let them know that it could delay anything, then they're more apt to get those things right over to the lender super fast. Um, and then hopefully that would prevent any problems from occurring two weeks down the road. And, you know, they'll know kind of upfront at the beginning if there was a potential problem. But again, there's like multiple scenarios where things always come up through underwriting that nobody has any idea would happen. So, and that's the unfortunate part, but um, those are most likely like prior foreclosures, deed and lose, short sales, et cetera, that could disqualify them from the loan. But those are just some tips that I personally know of that I try to kind of breach from the very beginning. Um, it's just being transparent. Like you just have to kind of let them know that once you're under a contract, like it's go, go, go until settlement. Um, and they just kind of have to be willing to to do everything they possibly can to close on time. That's awesome, Amy. Thank you for sharing. A couple of other questions for you specifically for because I've never been on the mortgage side of it. So when you're when you're actually guys, mortgage brokers are as busy or busier than we are right now. So we've got to be cognizant of that and know that there's very easy ways. And I think the reality of it, you can kind of confirm it, is they're sitting on a, a stack of different clients to deal with. And if you are the favorite one, you get taken care of. If you're the bitchy one that aggravates them, you might just find yourself slipped onto the bottom and you're not going to get the urgency. That's just kind of the way the whole world works. So I think it's really important to understand how we spend so much time talking about connecting and are they D personalities, I's, and S's, or C's? Are you really relating to your loan officer to giving them the best experience and helping them out so they actually enjoy working with you? Because guys, it's a small world. You're going to be doing repeating business with these people. Absolutely. So you might you might think beating the crap out of them and yelling out and say, I need this now, but that's not going to help, right? What tell us Absolutely. Your so because I was a processor, I mean, I worked in a high volume shop. So I was pretty much in charge of let, let's just say is for what it is. I was in charge of the fate of this this purchase pretty much because once it leaves the loan officer and it goes into those next stages for processing and underwriting, like they're the gatekeeper. They're the ones that are able to push the files along. Um, and again, just like you said, Jeff, if you have a great relationship with them, you're, you're kind of going to get prioritized. I hate to say it, but it really does happen. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I had a strong disdain for realtors before I became one. So, and, and I know that sounds crazy. Um, I was always, you know, the person that says, oh, these real estate agents, you know, they're all jerks, every single one of them. Um, because I would just get emails saying, where are we? Hey, are, are we going to meet closing? And it would just be so impersonal. And I didn't, I never expected like a nice, long 30 page email. I just expected like courtesy. Um, and, and just especially now in this time, I think it's more important than ever to tell people that you appreciate them. Um, because that sentence alone saying, I appreciate you goes so far these days. Um, and I, I try to make it a point myself to tell anybody that I work with, whether it's the title company, um, the originator, whomever it is, the inspection company, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, so that's super important these days is just not being that jerk on the other end of the email. I always used to call them like um, 
what what is the term um like tough guy emails and then you would call them on the phone and they'd be a completely different person they're actually nice it's just they didn't know how to present themselves properly so um it's it's definitely a huge huge thing um and then the other thing that i kind of want to suggest is that what what um i would do is if you are working with a newer lender, maybe try to get them on the line like after traditional banking hours because everybody knows nine to five, that's when the operation staff works. If you're able to just have like a 20 to 30 minute conversation, quote unquote, off the clock, so pretty much after banking hours with your loan officer and just kind of like set expectations and just make sure you're asking them what they expect of you as well, like, I think that that's a really strong way to start off a relationship if you don't have one that's already established. I think that that could that's be very a, Amy, let me run a scenario by you. Let's say sure. you're my loan officer and I'm working with Jamie. He's my buyer. And we're it's a multiple offer situation. I know it is. It's a hot ass house that's coming up and I've introduced him to you and you're just gathering his paperwork and all of his information. So the what I believe the right way to do it is, Amy, I really need your help on this one. Jamie is, you know, he really wants this house. He and his wife. This is the one they want. Would you mind? Would you mind shooting me over a quick little email that just yeah. says, "Hey, I'm working with Jamie and his wife, and you know, with the Johnsons, and they're really excited about the purchase of one, two, three, any street. I'm I'm on their file. I pulled their credit. I pulled their pay stubs. Their credit's awesome. I feel very confident of this loan. And here's my attached pre-approval. I hope you give Jamie and his wife the extra consideration. They really love this home. Love Amy. Absolutely. Would you do that for me. Absolutely. So, so yes, and, and the bigger part to that is, is even if you can get the loan officer to, to reach out to the listing agent, if you're submitting an offer like that, I think that that goes even further than an email um, because they, yes. can't hear, they can't hear tone. So once they actually speak to them, they actually might kind of dig in and, and ask a little bit more questions than they would if they just got an email. Yep. Um, so that's another thing that I, I find that can make a strong offer. But again, with if you're having multiple offers, hopefully all of those other loan officers are doing the same thing. Um, but but they're not, and we know that. But they're not. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and like a little tidbit on that is when I submit an offer, I immediately either text or email my my loan officer. And again, I use multiple lenders. So it's not like it's just the same person that I work with. I'll text or email them and I'm saying and I'll say I just submitted the offer to Mr. and Mrs. for Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Here's the listing agent's um, contact info. Please let me know once you've spoken to them. You're love the best. It. Like love just it, love short it, and sweet, making sure that they understand like we're all in for the same goal. Um, and I think they don't that, get paid until it closes either, right? Exactly. And that's the big, well, most of them don't let's most put it that way. Yeah. Most good loan officers only work on commission. Right. Um, so they're just as vested as we are. And when things go wrong, like they don't want to tell us because they don't want to lose that relationship. But if you have like an open door policy from the get go, they'll come and talk to you and say, look, here's what the problem is. And I've problem solved with many of my loan officers before just throwing out different scenarios, offering, you know, because I have mortgage uh, experience, I, I know a little bit more than the average. So I can I can troubleshoot. Um, so I think that that is super important from the get-go as well. Just saying, look, if there's a problem, I want to know about it. So that way we can work together, not against each other. So I think that that's strong too. 
let's role play a little bit further on this one. I love having you in the room on this one. So if I said, hey, Amy, I just found this property for Jamie. It was multiple offers. In order to do this, I had to strike down our loan approval period. Normally we have 30 days. They asked me to really make the decision. I've got like 15 days, I have 10 days to be able to feel really comfortable that this guy can get a loan. He's gonna have to remove his financing contingency and he's gonna have five grand at risk, right? So I know it's a lot to ask, but can you can you give us a pretty good indication of whether or not he's credit worthy? And now, of course, we're not gonna take the appraisal contingency away, um, the inspection, the insurance, all that stuff, but the property condition is still gonna have to pass everything. But what I need to know is, is Jamie, financeable from your institution. Do you think you can give me an indication of a really solid one in the next 10 days? So, yeah, I mean, they absolutely can do that. Um, and the bigger piece is, is that you have to stress to your client, like, look, if we, if we want to win this contract, we have to get your financing contingency down to 10 days. So that means right now, as we're talking, you're going to be downloading your pay subs from ADP or wherever your payroll is. And you're going to send them over right now so that your loan officer can look at them. And then, I mean, most loan officers should be able to accommodate that. The flip side are turn times at, at the lender. So, I mean, every lender is different. So that's kind of like a risky move, moving it down to 10 days, because mm -hmm. your 10 days doesn't include Saturday, Sunday. And we all know most underwriters are not working on the weekends. That's right. So yeah, so this is this is an extreme circumstances, but when you're in multiple offer situations, right. the only, and let's say I'm going up against two cash offers, and and I know Jamie can't pay cash, but I need to make him on a level playing field. The only way I can do that, that is he's got a 10 day inspection period, just like everybody else. But in 10 days, I'm going to take away his appraisal, his inspection, his his loan approval period. So right. he's going to get approved for the loan as comfortable as he can be. So then nine days from now, you and I will have a conversation. Amy, I got a big problem. Tomorrow's right. the day. He's got 2,500 bucks at risk and we're willing to take that gamble if you think it's a real one. So, you know, of course we still have appraisals. We still have all that stuff to lean on. So we're not dead, but do you feel comfortable that that he's financeable? You pulled his credit, you've seen his tax returns, you've seen his pay stubs, you've got a good indication. And that's really what you need because you're nothing's really gonna pop up. If I make this, my point is, if I make this really important and urgent, and do it in a nice way and appreciate you and, and ask you for help and a little extra attention, I think I'll get it because if Absolutely. I don't, I'm going to be pushed back into the pile. And it's really, as everybody else says, this file is going to become urgent a week before it's closing. <laughs> right? Correct. Right. And the bigger piece is, is that you don't use this. Like if you're using the same lender, you're not using that same tactic, which most likely you aren't. But you don't, you never want to be like the boy that cried wolf syndrome. Like no, you, no, you just no. have to make sure that you're only using something like that where you're kind of like begging for a favor to get a contract accepted on a case by case basis. But otherwise, with with the the lender, you just have to what is the saying? Like sugar gets more yeah, whatever, gets more. whatever that saying is. <laughs> like yeah. and that's the reality of it. Like you, you just have to be that person. Um and if but you don't have hard. multiple offers and you're not, in, and you don't have to do this, like don't, don't make people stress out unnecessarily right. in the event you have this, if it's going to help you win, it's going to help Amy too, because she'll get the loan. She'll get the, the points. Exactly. I'll get the commission. So. Exactly. Um, but I, when I popped into this room, I actually heard you guys talking about um, appraisal contingencies. And then if the, the property doesn't appraise, then obviously they're not going to pay more than the house is worth. 
So that was something that I would always tell my prospective buyers, like kind of even as late as like three months ago, but recently in in our market, I'm in, I'm located like in the Baltimore metro area. There are people that are still guaranteeing um, to go over and about over and above if the property is not valuing, which has been a real hindrance here. So that's how a lot of people yep. are winning um, multiple offer situations. I personally don't agree extra. with it. Correct. I personally don't agree with it. I personally lost out on a contract. We were willing to go above um, list price by like $40,000. However, they were not willing to pay in cash. Um, and somebody actually beat us out with 50000 over in cash if it didn't appraise, which is insane to me. But um, that's why I, I love jumping into these rooms because I saw how to structure the perfect contract. I mean, there's multiple there ways. But I mean, that well, one you kind of can't uh, disagree with. That's right. The acceleration clause, the escalation, escalation clause. Escalation clause, yes. Is, if you guys aren't using that, it's almost on every contract now. I, I would agree with that. Um, there are some agents that will not allow them here. Um, so they specifically list that in descriptions. So it'll say no escalation, highest and best only. Um, but I absolutely would highly suggest using escalation clauses. Um, and then I'm not sure like where everybody else is located, but one of the other things that seems to be working is, um, we have transfer tax in our state, um, in Maryland, it's normally split equally by buyer and seller, but the buyers are paying full transfers. So they're paying, paying the seller's portion of the transfer mm -hmm. tax. So mm -hmm. that's another strong, um, thing to add to your offers. I'm not sure if any of you guys really nice. work in yeah. states that have that situation, but that's it's called a little different. Here. Yeah, okay. title insurance and all that, or whatever the states are doing. But now that's great. So basically you're just showing that, hey, look, you're gonna put more in your pocket when you take this offer. Correct. And it's not that's just right. based on sales price. It's, it's total net to the seller at that point. That's right. And also if you're not taking the time to really understand the position of the seller, then it doesn't make a lot of sense. What I like to do is if, if I'm about to present an offer and, and, and let's say you're the listing agent, I'm gonna call you and I'm gonna say, you know, calling is like a rare art form these days, actually a communication and say, look, the house in Oakberry, I'm gonna, I've got a, you know, that showing for days looking good, I'm gonna present an offer. What's the situation with the seller? Are they in town? Are they out of time? Do they work? What time are they home? I wanna make sure that we um, respect for their time for time for acceptance. And then do you know where they're going? Like what's their time frame? If you were to look like a rock star and make them happy, what's like the ideal closing date? What would they like to see? What's their time frame? What what works for them? And then I'm taking notes. And as I'm structuring this offer, wouldn't it be great if if they really said, you know what, they've got their kids' graduation and you know the end of March, and they really want to be there by then? Perfect. Well, let me give them what they want. But how do you know what to give people what they want unless you ask for it? So take the time and really really stock the pot the the pond in your favor. I would say that's an absolute like number one tactic, regardless of market conditions. I firmly believe that that conversation should be held no matter what the market is doing, um, because it's super important to one, make that connection with whomever the list agent is, because hopefully you might have known them from like prior, you know, dealings or offers or situations that you've been in. But it, like Jeff said, it's super important. Because they may, you may be submitting an offer with a 30-day close because that's typical in our area, but they 
may need to actually stay in the property for 60. And then you could find that out through your conversation and then offer maybe a 30 day free rent back if it, if it's okay with your buyers. But, um, a lot of times when you get listing agents on the phone and you make them super comfortable and you kind of try to be their friend, they'll end up telling you way more information than they probably should. <laughs> um, 100%, yeah. So you can try to leverage that with your offer as well. Love it. I love it. One other thing I had on the list to talk about today was um, actually the escalation clause. Everyone's comfortable with that. I, I imagine by now, if, if the short version is, you know, we'll give you 400,000, but we'll go up a thousand bucks to beat anybody's offer until we tap out at 450 or 430, whatever our highest is. So make sure you're using that and it helps. Now, what's your guys' feelings on the, I call them emotional stalking letters, right? So if I know that I'm presenting to Jamie and his wife and they're the sellers, what I want to do is I want to, you know, look, people buy with emotions and they justify with logic. That's just the way the world works. So how can I emotionally win um, this negotiation? How can I make the seller want to sell their house to my client? And, you know, the old letters and the stories are, are really important. Um, in this market, we've got a couple agents here recently that we were in a heated multiple offer situation and we pushed the envelope a little bit and we said, look, my buyer, 100%, I know it's a little unconventional, but they are absolutely wanting me to present this offer in person. Is there any way I can come over and just do that, right? So sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But if you can get the opportunity to do that, it really makes a big difference because now you can connect and with all of our connection skills and mirror and matching and are they D personalities, I personalities, S personalities, C personalities, are they more visual, are they auditory, are they kinesthetic? How are they sitting? What's their eye posture? What eye posture? What's their eye contact, their posture, their gestures, their vocabulary, all this stuff because people like people are like themselves, right? We started those classes earlier this week. So if all that rolls into one, if I can walk into the living room and actually present in a way that emotionally they feel comfortable, we've got the trust, and then I'm going to tell the story about my clients and my clients actually, you know, get them to write the story. Whether you think it's cheesy or not, it wins, right? Dear Mr. and Mrs. Seller, you know, we love the house, the oak tree in the back. My, my daughter can't wait to build her playhouse and have her tea parties with her friends. And reminds me of my grandpa's house. And I just love that little koi pond over there. It reminds me of that. You know, I know you can choose whoever you want to. We really hope you choose us. We're going to love your home, make sure it's here forever. And, you know, we love you. Wish best of luck to you in your new place in Chicago. And, now I know you have choices and I hope you choose us. Love the Johnsons. It's not going to hurt, right? In many cases, that's what wins. It's 100% what wins there. So, Tessa, yeah, raising your I've hand. I've seen sellers make decisions based on emotion your, also. That's right. Tessa, raising your hand. Come on up. How are you? Yeah, absolutely. I was a huge fan of the buyer's letter. And I really felt like that was what set us apart on a lot of different transactions. But recently, at least in California, where I'm selling, we are not allowed to be using those um, letters anymore. It's been deemed, I don't know if it's just California Association of Realtors, but it can be a violation of fair housing. Um, and so something that I started doing um, was instead of submitting the buyer's letter, I kind of submit almost my own little resume to the listing agent, you know, kind of laying out the expectation of how I'm going to work during the transaction. Um, you know, I'm a closer, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to respect the timelines, you know, da, 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 da. 
And um, that's been really beneficial, I think, in kind of finding a way to get it accepted with that handicap of not being able to submit the letter on behalf of the buyer. Wow. Well, they're really getting strict, huh? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's NAR that published that recently, but I know the same thing follows here in Maryland. And I used to actually submit the buyer's letters as well. And I have specifically won contracts because of that letter. Yeah. But Tessa, I really like how you added the piece um, where you write about you in the letter to the list agent. Because normally what I would do is I would always also put like a little blurb about, you know, our transaction and we're open to closing, changing dates, et cetera to meet the seller's expectations or requirements. But I really love the tidbit that you just added, putting in there how you're going to work for the deal, respect timelines, et cetera. That's a really great piece to add to that. So I appreciate that little bit that you just added there. That's right. And that shows that you know, you're a professional and that you know a lot of times, guys, you know we end up doing the other side of the transaction too, especially when you have agents that don't really know what they're doing. We just pick up the ball and run with it. So that's kind of a relief. So great, great addition on there. So, yeah, well, we're still doing it. I hope. So, yeah, and then. We lost it there, Jeff, but I think Lisa had something to say, too. Hey, Hi, Lisa. Lisa. Um, I'm out of the Boston market, and um, it's kind of like a tale of two cities here. So the city has been kind of um, post-COVID very quiet, but the burbs have been um, heating up and it's a little bit crazy. Um, so, which I'm sure everybody's kind of experiencing in their own markets. Um, it's very likely and it's not unheard of to get multiple offers. Um, and, you know, we're not even talking about, you know, five, six or seven, we're talking about 20 or 30 or 40. Um, so it comes to a certain point, these love letters, um, you know, they don't even matter because their sellers are looking at kind of the top five or top six and then reading them. Like, unfortunately for my buyers, I've had a few who would, you know, painstakingly write these letters um, and they just like wouldn't even make it to the next cut because um, they uh, because they were just up against so many different um parties but you know that that's just kind of like the the state right now i would say um in addition to just like personal love letters and also just like in a little agent blurb um i've also had the lender write a little bit of a letter too um because sometimes if you do have 10 offers it's it could be a little bit cumbersome to call each individual lender um, and check out their finances and their background and make sure that they're a qualified candidate. Um, so I've had a lender actually write a little bit, a little blurb. Um, it's kind of general, but just to kind of briefly say, like, these are excellent candidates. Um, you know, if you need any um, additional info, um, feel free to give me a call. Um, but usually that works really well if they're um, putting a down payment under 20% as well. And that's great. So awesome tidbits on that one too. That's the that's the key. There's Samantha, you raised your hand. You wanted to join in a little bit. Welcome on, on up. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm new to Clubhouse and I just jumped in on this conversation. I'm 
in the San Francisco Bay Area, so it's really competitive here. Um, uh, I heard a couple of like really great things that you guys talked about. We actually don't do escalation clauses here. They're just like really uncommon. Um, if it's okay with you guys, I can go over what my perfect offer is because I've the last couple things I've competed on have like anywhere to 14 to 30 offers on it. Um, wow. Yeah, please yeah. share. I'd love to hear that. So uh, we always provide a fully signed disclosure package. I always provide us uh, AVID, so agent visual inspection disclosure. I um, most of the time have to write completely clean. So no, in, no inspection contingency no appraisal contingency, no financing contingency. I make sure that my buyers, if they have to buy with financing, they are fully pre-approved, like all their ducks are in a row before we even write an offer. Um, most of the time we have to do like 24 days for escrow. Um, I heard Tessa talk about how we can't do the letters anymore. My understanding is we can still do the letters, but we just can't do pictures. And the listing agent can decide whether or not to present it or not. So I've still been having my buyers write letters. And then for the lender, um, kind of like what Lisa said, for the pre-approval, I asked my lenders to do like a little write-up. Um, and then I forward the email with the pre-approval letter and it's usually like the lender says something like they have great credit they have have amazing work history like we're ready to go and we can order the appraisal to you know later today um and then i always 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 have a cover letter with all the terms so purchase price um you know everything right there so that they don't even have to read the offer they can just look at the cover letter and know exactly what's in it and then in there i also say stuff about myself and then of course uh, a little um summary of what the buyers are like and their you know enthusiasm about the house and and it's been really working out for me i mean the last, like I said, the last couple of deals that I got into contract, there was a lot of competition. And I think another thing that I use that really helps is I look up the listing agent's track record. So I look up the last year of what their listings have sold for and the percent over that they've sold for. So let's just say this listing agent on average sells 25% over what their the list price is. That's probably what's going to happen with this house, right? And then I calculate all that, you know, with the comps and price per square foot and best comp and all that stuff. So that's pretty much my secret sauce. Wow. So you're talking 30, 40 offers coming in at a time that you're fighting yeah. against? <laughs> yeah. It's um, in the suburbs. Like I work a lot in Marin County, which is just north of San Francisco. And it's a little bit slower than San Francisco. So like, you know, 15 offers. Oh. But, you know, it. we just, we had a listing in San Francisco recently that had 51 offers. So what, before you jumped on, um, and what we were talking about is what you just talked about, like in our markets, you know, we don't, we're not getting 30, 40 offers We're we'll get five, six, eight on, on it is, is what we're getting. And that's still crazy. So we have to prepare your buyers. I mean, so they're going in. If they get accepted, their money is down. It's non-refundable. They're going to lose cash. So they can't play around. 
and they can't just put an offer in and hope that they get their financing in the next week or two or month or two. It's just not not a possibility. So you're going all in. Your ducks are in a row. Your eyes are dotted, T's across. You've got your loan lined up, and you're going in just fully committed and saying, "Please pick me. Please pick me." Yeah, and even sometimes, even a lot of the time, the listings have home inspection, pest inspection, and roof inspection stuff like that. But sometimes they don't, and so we'll even have a home inspector come out before you know the offer date and do a really quick inspection for them so that they feel comfortable removing that inspection contingency beforehand. I love it. What percentage of the cover letters do you think actually reach the seller's eyes past the listing agent? You know, lately, I really think that it's probably like 25% before. I think it was every single one, but I think a Mm -hmm. lot of people are scared of the uh, fair housing, which, you know, I totally get that. I don't want any discrimination to happen. Um, but you know, it is nice to see, um, people's enthusiasm. And a lot of the time people want to sell to a family that's going to raise their kids there and, and stuff. It's like nostalgia. Now, one little, little tidbit that works really well too, and it takes just a couple minutes, but if I know that it's from public records, it's, it's Bob and Susie Johnson, right. And they live at this address and know where they are. And it's not really hard with everything at our fingertips right now to go Google them to go jump on LinkedIn, to go see if they have a public profile on Facebook, right? And to find out what I can about them. Because as you know, people's representational styles and you know, whether their personalities or their high D personalities, controllers, they eyes, they fun, they asses, or they see, they're super analytical. Then if you know that he's a tech analyst for some CPA firm, chances are he's gonna be pretty analytical and want to make sure the numbers are all there and the eyes are there and everything's there. So you can really learn a lot about the audience that you're about to present to, which is really your seller and tailor that cover letter accordingly. So if you know it's uh, high D, he's a CEO of a big ass company, you know, bullet point at real simple. I know you're busy. Here's the reason. Here's a short, sweet facts of my offer. Boom, boom, boom. Have a great day. Done. And if you know that the person's the creative director for Disneyland, right, then you know that it might be a little bit more fun, a little more creative, a little more jazzy in there. So that works a lot too, just because to, the game now is standing out. I love this market, guys. We opened up by saying this market's the best it's ever been, right? And best it ever may be, because rarely are you ever going to see these storms collide again. You're going to have two per, in the rates in the two percent range fixed, and this buyer buyer frenzy and sellers' homes being worth more than they've ever been worth before. Normally, you have one or two of those. You don't have them all at one time. So I really hope everyone's so thankful that we're in this industry right now because this is historic. And I, at 2021, we'll, we'll probably go down as the best, the best business, best, best year in the entire history of this industry. And all of us have the ability to really make anything you want happen. So, but it's, uh, I love the, I love the sharing. I love the, the ideas, the little gems being tossed around everyone. It's a lot of fun. I'm firing. I'm Can loving I, Clubhouse um, though. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa, go ahead. Um, sorry to interrupt. I, I know you kind of um, touched upon uh, escalation clauses. Um, I just jumped on recently, so I don't know um, if we're kind of going back, but I'm just curious how people have packaged up escalation clauses in Boston, in the city. You don't really see that that often. Um, in the burbs, it's really popular. Um, but I used to do the whole, like, you know, um, my buyer will go up 2500 until they reach a certain amount. Um, but, uh, you know, we very much like Samantha um, in the burbs, 
like one single property will get like 20 offers, 30 offers. And um, then the listing agent will go back for best and final. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, eventually there's still a best and final, the escalation cost doesn't always just went out. Um, And sometimes what um, I'm afraid of is that obviously we'll put a cap on that first round, but um, I'm afraid that will show my hand and we don't get called back for best and final because they think that is where our actual cap is. But it's really just trying to prevent us from, you know, shooting, putting all of our eggs in one basket from the get go. Now, Lisa, are yours a contingent on appraising? Or is there no appraisal contingency in a Well, we'll very much waive the appraisal contingency. We'll still have the financing contingency there, but um, at a certain point, just to even get your offer um, looked at, like there's, you can't have an inspection contingency. Very much like what Samantha said. So my buyers and I are doing um, pre-inspections or you know informational only. Um, and um, well, if they can't pay in cash. Uh, you know, we'll have to waive the appraisal to just get a leg up, even with the cash offers. High stakes poker. Something I would also say is I try to prevent even um, a best and final happening. You know, I don't even want the listing agent to go and do a multiple counter to everybody. So I am, I might be annoying, but it works. I just like call them. I check in after submitting of course I call before too and I try to get as much information as I can and then I just play mind reader and then I'll send over an addendum and I'll be like I sent you this addendum we sweeten the deal a little bit you know do you think this will just work and that's worked so many times they the seller just signs it and then we didn't even have to compete with anybody again now see that's the that's the lost art of communication right and it people tell you everything you need to know if you just ask and listen so that's the whole, that's what you're doing so well. It's just saying, tell me their situation. Where are they moving? Do they, do they want to stay for a little bit for free? What's the perfect date? What you tell me what's going to make the deal though. They definitely don't want that chandelier to convey. What else? Tell me, tell me, tell me, I'll tweak it. And then you don't even have to worry about it. And then, cause guys, nobody wants to go through this. The agents don't want to counter 14 offers. The seller doesn't want to go through the dog and pony show of 14 different offers. They want what they want in front of them. And so I think you're doing a great job just letting them giving them what they want, asking, listening, and then delivering it right back. And I'm wondering, um, Samantha, could you clarify when you said that you submit the full disclosure package, are you just submitting like the wire fraud and your avid and the, like the, those type of things, or are you requesting like the SPQ and TDS from the listing agent ahead of time? How are you doing that? I, so in my market, almost everybody does disclosure IO and it's like a full on disclosure package, like 300, 400 pages. And I have my buyer sign every single (laughs) document and I include that in their offer and nobody else really does it. And our team does it. And we, I mean, my team lead in um, San Francisco, her name's Jennifer Rosdale. She's the number one buyer's agent. And so all my stuff that I know I learned from her and that disclosure package thing is a serious game changer. I know it's super tedious, but if you have a TC or an admin or something like that that can go in and tag it for you, even 
there's so many tricks to I use DocuSign. There's so many tricks to like making it go really fast. Like I've gotten to the point where I can tag a 300 page disclosure package in like 15 minutes. Um, but I, I really, really highly, highly recommend doing that. And I think that's brilliant, Samantha, what you're doing on there because you're you're making it easy. It's low hanging fruit. You're becoming the easiest offer to sign because it's all there. And if you give them all the terms and they don't have to chase anybody down for anything, it's, it's signed, sealed, and delivered. I think, I think that's brilliant. It's worth the extra few minutes up front to just make it make it simple. Thank you. I love the mark. I love the market you guys are in. I love it. We're not quite as crazy over here in Central Florida, but it's um, it's we certainly have our days. But we're preparing because it's getting more and more and more intense. So I'm I'm sure what what happens in your market comes sweeps across the country and isn't everywhere else pretty soon. So I think this is great insight for everybody. Yeah. Other comments or questions for those of you, uh, um, Kyle, Delaney, Karen, welcome. Brent, anything else to add? Comment questions. I love the interaction here today. Just kind of raise your hand or flash your mic or raise your hand. We're happy to bring you on up. Any questions you guys have? Some rock stars up here today. And make sure we're all following each other too as we're all growing our networks in here and just um, keep connecting around the way. All right, so summarizing kind of what, where we started this thing out, and I, I like the kind of the turn that it makes. It's the perfect contract. It's setting the stage up front and I'm, well, we're acting as if we're in Samantha and Tessa's market is like the only way, and this is what you guys missed in the very beginning. We tell the buyers, the only way I can guarantee you're gonna get this house or get, increase your odds is you're gonna go above full price. You're gonna put 100% of the money in escrow. It's gonna be as is, no contingencies, no inspections. It's perfect and you wanna close the house tonight. So the moment you back off any one of those bullet points, the weaker your offer gets. And you guys are just living examples of exactly how that's happening in your markets right now. But even if your market is not as hot as their market is right now, act as if it is, and you're gonna make sure that you get the actual perfect contract there. And so know that lender, work the lender hard, make sure that they, you're friends with them, show that they appreciate that. Amy, you had some great insight about that and just help them. Also about the parameters of their loan. If, if they're gonna get a loan, know which one, right? When, when you see an offer come in on your listing, and they're asking, it's a first time home buyer and they're asking for, you know, in some markets, this wouldn't fly over in your market, Samantha, but if they're asking for 5% or 3% of closing costs, do they have to do that? Or is it just something that they wanna do and know what you can throw off to the side and say, just kidding, we don't really need that. We were just trying, like, do they really need these things or not? And then use the, escal the escalation clause, using the letters, if it's legal from where you are, you know, I, I get the, the pictures I can see being a violation, but the letters, you know, in our market, we're still allowed to do that. And then really explain the, the perfect contract to your client. So that's kind of was the framework of where we were going that kind of just moved out and um, and evolved from there. So that's what we were doing. And I plan to keep these open. We're every two every day at 2 30. Um, Mike Puma and I join in and we're gonna we're soon gonna get our club open. BE3 it just stands for empower, educate, encourage. Right? That's just what we do, and we have, a, um, those who don't know us, we've got a, a bunch of Century 21 offices in Florida, and we actually have a cloud-based Century 21 that's launching across the state right now. It's kind of cool. And um, we've got a bunch of content we push out. We're not selling anything, we're not coaching, we're not doing anything for anybody except just sharing and just contributing. So we've got a site, be3agents.com. It's got a bunch of the content that we push out. You guys are welcome to check that out. And um, all my contacts and my profile, and so is Mike's. 
And anytime we can reach out, especially referring deals back and forth, I love hitting the profiles and seeing the markets you guys are all in. Follow each other when you get a chance to refer business back and forth. Let's make sure that everyone does it to our to our tribe here. So that's some things I wanted to touch. I'm happy I've got time. Um, anything else? Any questions, comments? Anything else you guys want to add? Keep the room going, or we can all move on to other adventures here. Going once, going twice. Well, Amy, nice to meet you. Thanks for the contributions and Tessa, Samantha, and Jamie. Brett, you were quiet today. Hi, Danielle, Kyle, Delaney, Karen. Yep, I was just about to say thank you so much for for having this room up. And I think it's good to kind of bounce ideas off and figure out what's working in different areas that maybe isn't common here. So I, I got a lot of good information from pretty much everybody that's spoken. Um, for those that didn't, maybe you guys will join in next time and kind of give us your little tidbits of what's worked for you guys. But I just wanted to say thank you. I'm so appreciative of you guys sharing and kind of to try to make us all work better and uh, definitely smarter and not harder. Because <laughs> yeah. obviously we don't want to be submitting multiple offers for the same client. Um, so I just want to say thank you guys and I hope to join you guys again soon. You got it. All and right. we appreciate you. That's a good takeaway from today. See the little oh, things yes. that really matter. Always <laughs> say we appreciate you. <laughs> Love it. Take care guys. Awesome. Guys have a great day. Reach out with everything you guys need.